Hello and welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. This is Pastor Lyle Phillips, and we are so grateful that you are tuning in. We pray that this message blesses and encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Hear and see. It wasn't just, hey, go back and tell John the information that I'm feeding you, but I want you to go back and testify to John about not just what you've heard me say, but I want you to go back and testify to John about what you have seen me do. Right? Now, what had Jesus been doing? What kind of wonders had Jesus been working? He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. I don't know about you guys, but I am so grateful that when I was poor in spirit, the gospel was preached to me. I am so thankful that when I was blind spiritually and that all I could see was darkness, Jesus gave me the miraculous gift of spiritual sight. That when I was deaf to hear the gospel and knew nothing about love, God was faithful to speak to me and to open up my spiritual ears. That when I was dead, how about you? In your sin, in my shame, that when I needed somebody to roll back the tomb of my dead life, Jesus spoke and I was resurrected and given spiritual life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Anybody else grateful for that? So Jesus says, this is what I want you to go back and I want you to share with them. This is what you have both heard and seen. And then he tacks on this statement that we're going to dive deep on today. He said, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Just think about that just for a moment. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? This reminds me so much of the movie, The Gladiator. Have you guys seen that? Whenever, um, you know, Russell Crowe is like, are you not entertained? Some of you guys don't know that movie. It's kind of old now, but it's what it reminds me of. Like Jesus is like defending right John he's like what is it that you went out to the wilderness to see somebody being shaken no what then did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing no behold those who wear soft clothing are in kings houses what then did you go out to see a prophet yes I tell you and more than a prophet this is he of whom it is written Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater 
than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Everybody say, that's me. That's you. So I really want to touch on that passage, really that one scripture in this passage, which is, and blessed is the one that is not offended in me. You guys ready for that? So I've entitled this message, Despite Unmet Expectations. We're in this sermon series right now called Expectation. And so the name of this sermon is Despite Unmet Expectations expectations and blessed is the one that is not offended by God so Lord we just ask you minister to us through your word Lord we know that your word is eternal that it is life-giving and though everything else fade away the word never fades away so establish it today in our spirit Help us to grow and to be transformed by what you have for us today. We just lock into alignment with the assignment of heaven over this service. And we say yes and amen to everything that you want to bring in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 So if you were here last week, I talked a little bit about John's powerful preaching ministry. I mean, John was such a spectacular minister of the gospel. He's out as a prophet and he is prophesying about the coming of a brand new kingdom called the kingdom of heaven. And he is prophesying about the advent of the one who was spoken of throughout the scriptures. He is prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, Christ Jesus. He's out in the wilderness. He's baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. People are coming out, getting baptized, and then publicly confessing their sins. This is hashtag revival, you guys. Like, I don't know about you. I've never seen a move of the Spirit like this. Right? I mean, maybe a, a fraction, a little bit. But John, without social media, without any marketing techniques... He pulls the entire city out into the wilderness and begins to baptize them in preparation for the advent. He was wild, man. He was crazy. This dude wore a a camel hair tuxedo like that was his gospel preacher shirt. He was eating locust and wild honey. He was very courageous and brave. The religious elites came out to witness what was happening and he called them a brood of vipers. Like that's how you pick a biblical argument. You know what I mean? Like he's so courageous, he's so brave, but now he's done something that has landed him in prison. He has preached in opposition, not just to the religious elites of his day, but he has preached in opposition to the political elites of his day and for that he's been put in the slammer he began to preach to the king of galilee whose name was king herod and he began to call out king herod and say that your marriage is illegal and it is not right for you to marry herodias because she is your sister-in-law right these are the things that people in positions of power and privilege try to keep covered up you know what I'm saying like they're like I don't want my dirt getting out there I don't want anybody exposing me for the real real but John the Baptist comes on the scene and he starts preaching the advent of a new kingdom 
And if you look at his message in Luke chapter three, you start to realize that John's message had social implications. John's message had governmental, political implications. After all, he lives in a culture and in a society where a kingdom means something. It's not just like a, a, you know, um, a mystical story, a kingdom. Frozen too. What's up? You know, it's like a real kingdom with a real king coming to really rule in a governmental fashion. Right. And so this message that John the Baptist is proclaiming has given him a fearlessness in regards to how he addresses the political elites of his day because he is prophesying the coming of a greater kingdom. Everybody and their mama expect the Messiah to show up and replace the political powers of the day and establish a new kingdom in which Messiah sat on the throne in a governmental capacity. So you think about the courage of John the Baptist. He's like, man, a new kingdom's on the way and I have seen the Messiah. It's here. Like it's about to happen in real time. Herod, you need to get your act together, buddy. You cannot marry your sister-in-law. That's against Mosaic law. You're out of order. Come on. Right? Like we see people doing this all the time, right? Some of them not in love, but, but some of them might be walking in something that John the Baptist walked in. I'll leave that there. <laughs> so he calls, he, he, call, he calls out Herod, you know, and I did a little study on this because I, I get interested in, in history. And, and even though we don't see it in the scripture, there is a historian by the name of Josephus that actually records the backstory to what's happening here. And Herod, he was the king of Galilee. He was married and his brother was in office in Rome and he goes to visit his brother and then he sees this cute little number named Herodias on his arm. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to have her as my wife. Although he's married. Although she's married. To his brother. He lets his attraction get the best of him. He divorces his own wife. Somehow uh, creates a plan for Herodias to divorce his brother and then marries her and then installs her as the queen in Galilee. So there's a very good reason as to why Herodias wants to kill John, and that's because Herodias is illegally occupying the position of the Queen of Galilee. So if John's message touches the right person, she could be removed from her position of power so she has an agenda to kill the prophet. She's like, I'm in this position illegally. I got here because I seduced somebody. It got quiet all this <laughs> Right? And so whenever there's a moment, because she's looking for a moment, right? Herodias, she's looking for a moment. How can I get rid of this prophet out in the wilderness? How can I get rid of this guy's message? He's incriminating me, and I know I'm in the wrong, so I got to kill him. I got to snuff him out, man. Right? That's what she's thinking. So she's like, okay, at an opportune moment, I'm going to take care of him. What happens? There's a party and Herod, he gets to doing a little drinking with his friends. And then she says, you know, I know how I can get Herod's attention because I know how I got his attention in Rome. Seduction. So what does she do? She puts her own daughter out. She compromises her own daughter's morality. 
dresses her up and says, go into your stepfather and dance for him in such a way that would convince him to give you whatever it is that you ask for. Herod is so pleased by this dance. This was not some beautiful ballet, people. We know what Herod struggles with. He says, whatever you want, up to half of my kingdom is going to be yours. What happens? Salome, which is her name, which Josephus records this. She goes back and she says to her mother, she says, it worked. Herod said, I could have up to half of his kingdom. What is it that you want me to ask for? She said, go right now and ask for the head of that prophet. Because I need to protect my position of power. Kill the prophets to protect people's positions of power. Don't think we're not seeing this happen right now. Maybe not actual death, maybe through cancel culture, maybe through, you know, smear campaigns. Don't think that the enemy is still not trying to silence the voice of the prophets. So what happens? The head of John the Baptist is cut off, placed on a platter and brought to this little girl who was probably a teenager at the time named Salome. Innocence ruined. Her own mother put her out, demolished her morality for the purpose of the head of the prophet. Wow. That mean, you, you think your family's dysfunctional. Right. <laughs> so this is what happens to John. This is the story of Herod and Herodias. This is what happens in history. Josephus gives us this. And I think it's very fascinating because there was a moment when Jesus was preaching that he likened his cousin, the prophet John the Baptist, to the Old Testament prophet named Elijah. For those of you interested, I believe that Herodias is the New Testament Jezebel. Spirit of Jezebel is always after the spirit of the prophet. The spirit of Jezebel is always after the spirit of the prophet. Jezebel came after Elijah. She was a queen. Herodias came after John. She was a queen. Jezebel failed. Herodias succeeded. But the way in which Elijah is like John the Baptist is so fascinating. I mean, think about the courage of Elijah and think about the boldness of John the Baptist. You have Elijah who's out in the middle of an army of the prophets of Baal. These people are like doing human sacrifices. They're cutting themselves, right? To appease this demon, this principality called Baal. And then there's Elijah like making fun of them. (laughs) Ha, your God must be in the toilet. Go back and read it again. That's what he says. Your God must be on the throne. Different kind of throne, but nonetheless, right? And, you know, we're going to see whose God is God. You know, like he had some swag in his step. He's like, what's up? Yahweh is God preaching bold in public. What happens a few days later? A few moments later, he is found uh, like cuddled up in the fetal position out in the wilderness underneath a tree. And he's saying, God, please come take my life now. Please come take my God. Please come take. I don't even think I hear from you. 
Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. John the Baptist did the exact same thing. He was real comfortable out in public. He was real comfortable out in the open air. He had all this space. He was rebuking the religious elites. He was preaching the gospel in the face of persecution. But now he is confined and isolated to this small, tiny cell. And he, just like Elijah, is thinking twice about the message that he has been preaching. Look where showing up for God has got me now. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because some of you guys have a prophetic anointing resting upon your life. Some of you guys have the same spirit that was upon Elijah's life resting upon your life. Some of you guys have that same spirit that was on John the Baptist who said, I don't care if you put me out in the wilderness. I didn't come to get dressed up in soft clothing. You can't shake me. I'm stable in the word and in the purpose that God has put in my life. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm declaring the advent of the Messiah. I don't care who comes against me. Come at me, bro. That's some of you guys. Some of you guys have an I told you so anointing. And I respect that. I like that. I like that about this church. Because this is a church that is a family of weeping warriors. It's the truth. If you don't want to be that, don't get bred into this lifestyle called legacy. Hashtag legacy lifestyle. Hashtag weeping warriors. I I will carry a sword in one hand and cut the head off of a principality. In the other hand, I carry a baby. You see what I'm saying? Delicate and gentle and compassionate and full of mercy. But you push us, we'll come for you. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Some of you are like, man, I don't know if I want to go to this church after all. Man, listen, I know we live in a culture where everybody wants to be famous. I want to be famous. I want everybody to know my name. I want us to be famous in hell. I I want the prison guards of Satan to know us on a first name basis because we're snatching souls out of the depths of hell that when we get up in the morning and we get in our word and we begin to pray and intercede and prophesy that hell starts trembling because they know what time it is man this ain't that guy who's getting shaken around by the wind like a reed this ain't that woman that has got her preferences so enlarged that she can't participate in her purpose she's got to be worried about what she wears and what she looks like and spending two hours in front of the mirror that she don't have any time for prayer these are those with the anointing of John the Baptist. These are the notes with, with the anointing of a prophetic mantle resting upon their life. Where cities are going to look different because of what they proclaim. Where whole regions are going to come out and repent because of what is being declared. Because there will be an announcement that's going to come through their lives that say, The Advent is here. New kingdom here. But see, the thing about prophetic personalities, and I learned about this when I first was getting discipled because I'm prophetic is they're subject to extreme mood swings it's true think of it Elijah you know one minute he's like what's up 400 prophets of Baal deal with it right you got you got John the Baptist out there looking all crazy preaching the gospel baptizing thousands of people and what happened moments later right he's like are you really the messiah i mean i literally saw the holy spirit descend upon you like a dove but are you literally really the one who is to come like he's quoting scripture to jesus 
You guys see what I'm saying? Like Elijah's there. And then a minute later, he's like, kill me, God. Take me now. I don't hear from you. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not actually anointed. I think I missed it. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because this is your lifestyle. Look, you might not be emotional. You might be prophetic. Totally. Listen, I, I'm not giving you an excuse to remain immature. All right. Pull it together sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But like. Seriously, like I believe that God wants to communicate to humanity through your senses. Even the apostle Paul said, have your senses trained. You guys remember this? The five senses trained to discern good from evil. That way you know what the will of God is so that you can communicate it to the people who need it. Right? You can get words of knowledge. Sure, I am hearing something about this person. You can get words of knowledge in your body. And I don't have time to go into this, but sometimes when I pray for people, I feel pain at a certain point in my body. And I just ask them, I'm like, this could be crazy. You have pain in your right knee? I do have pain in my right knee. How did you know? I got pain in my right knee right now. Having your senses trained to discern good from evil. That's right. Right? So prophetic people, you guys can be weird sometimes. And look, it's okay. John was weird. Weirdness wardrobe, right? Weirdness diet, weirdness message. He was confrontational. He was black and white. Some of you guys would never want to be friends with John. Yeah. But he'd call you out on the little stuff. Totally. You'd be hanging out with John. You'd be like, John, chill out, bro. Let's just go to a movie. They'll say it the Lord. You know, he would be on you, bro. You know what I mean? Like, it would not be like, it might not always be fun to hang out with John. You know, we glamorize these people now. We paint pictures of John like he's 45 right. or, like, or like he's 65, got gray hair, you know. He was 30 That's right. yeah. when he was martyred and gave his life for Jesus. That's he was right. a young person yes. standing up for something greater than himself saying, I don't care about the conveniences of my culture. I don't care about the opposition of man. I don't care about the religious or the political persecution that anybody can bring against me. I am standing on a word from the Lord. Jesus is here. Advent is here. You guys getting anything out of this so far? This is just the introduction and I got six minutes and 50 seconds left. the thing man like this is for real for real like seriously my friends our friends are dealing with something right now and you don't think i'm gonna take that to the enemy for real for real you don't think i'm gonna worship different you don't think i'm gonna preach different devil you can't have our joy we're not gonna lay down to this none of this it's not gonna happen like i feel like i'm like i might just go out and do outreach after this you know what i'm saying like I was sitting there in worship. I was yes. like, what? no, I ain't going to take this land. That's right. You see what I'm saying? That's right. So sorry I took all that time with the intro, but <laughs> John's in trouble and he knows it. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You're prophetic. You've had experiences. You've had encounters. You've seen things. God has given you words. But then you find yourself in a, cir- a circumstance or a situation where you're like, I'm afraid. Yeah. That's part of being a prophet. Wow. I'm scared. Yeah. I don't know if I really heard from the Lord. That's where John was. So John says to the ones who are following him, he said, I want you to go to Jesus and I want you to ask, are you the one that is to come? That's biblical language, right? He's quoting scripture. He's like, look, I'm going to give you a scripture. Have you fulfilled the word of the prophet? 
or not? Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And how does Jesus respond? He answers in the same way that John gave his request. He gives them scripture. He cites a couple of Old Testament prophets that John the Baptist would have been very knowledgeable of and would have built his own public ministry on these scriptural promises. Isaiah 35 and 5 through 6 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. You don't think that Jesus knew that John was aware of these promises whenever he gave his response? He said, hey, remember what Isaiah said? I'm doing it. Hey, you remember what was prophesied about me 800 years ago? I'm doing it. I'm fulfilling it. You remember what you studied in that scroll? You built your whole life on? That's me. I'm doing it. Check out Isaiah 61 and 1. We all know this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That was part of Jesus' response. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now that right there would have been an interesting passage of scripture for John the Baptist to remember because he is remembering a promise from God while standing in a circumstance called prison. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You've been there and done that, right? Like you're in a prison, you're in a situation, it's really dark, it's really bad, and you're you're praying out loud the scripture, right? Did you guys see that? Isaiah 61, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Can you see John just pacing in his prison cell and the opening of the prison to those who are bound in Jesus' name right now, in the name of Yahweh, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is the promise of the Lord. This is what God said he would do. I'm going to get out of here. You guys ever been there? You're you're, you're repeating the the word of the Lord. You're repeating the word of the Lord. You're you're saying these things that you believe in. You're like, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. You know, what you believe about God will determine what you expect from God. So if you believe that God sets prisoners free, when you go to prison, you will be expecting to get set free. Isn't that how that works? You guys with me? What you believe about God will determine what you expect from God. If you believe that God is a healer and you get sick, what do you expect? Right? Right? If you believe that God is a savior through Christ Jesus and you find yourself in a circumstance that you need deliverance, what do you expect? Salvation. Right? What you believe about God determines what you expect from God. So let me ask you a question. What happens to what you believe about God when God doesn't do what you expect? What happens to what you believe about God when God doesn't do what you expected? What happens to your belief system when God doesn't do what you want? Oh, it got quiet. Quick. Come on. Quick. What you believe about God determines what you expect from God. So what happens to your belief system when God doesn't do what you expect? Wow. 
Do you change your belief system? Do you change your expectations? Do you get offended by God? Because that's what Jesus said to John. He said, look, blessed is he who is not offended by me. Now, we don't know how John the Baptist took that word. We don't know. Maybe that was the word that he needed to persevere. Maybe he received that word and thought to himself, I am rooted and grounded in the word of the Lord. I am going to get out of here. But, you know, this is just my personal opinion. This could have been the heartbreaking moment that John recognized that he would not be set free. The the messianic credentials that Jesus provides, that's awesome. But then Jesus tacks on that word there at the end, and blessed is he that is not offended by me. Maybe John knew in that moment, I'm not going to get free. I'm not going to see the light of day again. I'm not going to get out of my circumstance. But I have a word from the Lord. You know, this is what I've noticed in our lives. Is that there are certain times when God's word does not deliver us from the prison. But it strengthens us to be sustained through the prison. There are certain moments in your life when God's word won't deliver you from your situation. But it will sustain you. Through your situation. There are certain moments in your life when when you're going to say, God, I expect this. And he doesn't give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. That's right. Come on. That's right. And it doesn't set you free, but it strengthens you. Do you get offended at God when that happens? When you don't get out of prison on your time frame? Wow. Come on. When you don't get set free from your circumstance on your timeline? How is it that you respond? Do you get blessed or do you get offended? Because anytime God offends you, you have a choice, which is to stay offended or to get blessed. And the bridge between those two outcomes is called trust. You get to choose. Do you want to trust God and walk that bridge into blessing and satisfaction and fulfillment and peace and joy and contentment? Or do you want to destroy that bridge of trust through your offense and your anger and your heart hurt and destroy the relationship that you have with the Lord and sit in your bitterness and say, God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Well, last time I checked, he's Lord. That's the problem. Some of us, like, we want to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, but not as Lord. Because we want to stay our own Lord. But when we give our whole lives to God, we give all of our situations for now and forever. All of our circumstances. All of our prisons. Everything that we will ever walk through, we trust. We say, God, I am choosing the bridge of trust. And even when I don't know what you're doing, I'll trust you anyway. That way I'm going to be blessed. Even if you don't deliver me, I'll trust you anyway. Right? What did the Old Testament say? Job said, though you slay me, still I will trust in you. Even if you don't answer. 
I'll still trust in you. Even if you don't come through, I'll still trust in you. Even if I need this money at this certain time and I don't get it, I won't be offended because I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to be content with what I have. You know, I heard this story. There's a great man of God named Joe Stockstill out of Louisiana. His first wife, she passed away from cancer. And a friend of mine went to visit her to pray for her. And he stepped into the hospital room and he found his friend Joel in prayer. Joel didn't even know that he had walked in. Joel was in the corner, huddled in the corner in the shadows with his hands lifted, praying. And my friend could hear what he was praying. And Joel prayed, God, this changes nothing between us. That's a powerful prayer. This changes nothing between, how could we, how, could we be honest? How often do we say that in the midst of tragedy? God, this changes nothing between, it doesn't matter what happens. This changes nothing. I choose trust. I choose faithfulness. I choose blessing. I choose happiness. I choose joy. I choose contentment. I choose satisfaction in the spirit. This world doesn't have anything to offer me anyway. I choose you. I choose to walk the bridge of trust into blessing. Blessing literally means uh, satisfaction, contentment, joy, fulfillment. That's what it means. It reads like a beatitude, doesn't it? And blessed is the one that does not take offense in me. You guys remember the beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5? It's because it is. It's a beatitude. It's a hidden beatitude. And blessed is the one that does not get offended at me when I don't do what they want. And blessed is the one that is not offended at me when I don't rescue them from their circumstance on their own timeline. And blessed, joyful, satisfied, content shall be theirs if they will choose to trust me and not get offended at me when I don't do what they want. Because I'm God and they're not. Isn't that interesting? John does not receive freedom from prison. What John receives is a word from the Lord. You're not always going to get freedom, but I believe with all my heart that God is faithful to always give us a word. And if you don't hear it in prayer and you don't get it from prophecy, there's something right here that you can always go to and you can bank your life on. Because God faithfully backs it up every time. I've never seen a moment in which God does not stay faithful to his own word because the word teaches us that he is not a man that he should lie. The challenge here, guys, is to not allow the way in which Jesus decides to show up in your life to become a stumbling block for you. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Is to not allow the way in which Jesus decides to show up in your life to become a stumbling block to you. Let me say it again in a different way. The challenge here is to not allow the way in which Jesus does not show up to become a stumbling block for you. The greatest challenges are not protecting my heart from offense on the basis of what God does. Although that's you can get offended on the basis of what God does. How many times have you compared yourself to somebody else and say, God, I'm offended by you. I'm going to take the posture of the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. And I am angry that you bless my brother wow. and get offended. Right. That's the moral of the story. That is that is difficult to overcome. 
How often are we offended by what God does for other people? But that's not the greatest challenges for your heart. It's not going to be what God does for other people. The greatest challenge for your heart is what God doesn't do for you. Particularly when you want them to and particularly when you expect them to and particularly when you have theology to support your expectations. When you're standing on scripture and and freedom from those who are bound in prison. I'm still in prison and healing for because by your stripes we are healed and I am still sick. And salvation and deliverance, even though I'm still bound by addiction. And I'm confessing the word, and I'm speaking the word, and I'm declaring the promises, but I'm still right here in the midst of my circumstance, so I choose to trust. That is the answer. I've got one point today and one point only. All right. So, uh, actually, there's going to be four points later, but it's going to be real quick in just a moment. But look, when God does not... Sorry. When God does not do what you want or expected... Choose not to be offended by him. Instead, choose to trust him. Everybody say trust. Trust. Here's the the promise of scripture. If you will, Jesus promises that peace, joy, and contentment will be yours. Everybody say, will be mine. mine. Okay, you guys want the four points? All right, they're coming quick. Because I wanted to give you a short rundown. Just on the basis of not being offended by God. Okay, I've been a pastor. We're coming up on 15 years now. And so I thought at least to make a, a list of how often I've seen Christians get offended. Because I'm like, if one of these um, fits for you, like, let's have some transformation today. Amen? There's a lot of folks who do not believe in Jesus because they're offended by Jesus. Right? Like unbelievers or or people who have, who have, have given up on faith. Like, they're like, I choose not to believe in Jesus because I'm offended by Jesus and I'm offended by his claims. I'm offended that he says he's God. I'm offended that he says he wants to be my Lord. I'm offended by what scripture says. So I choose not to believe in Jesus. Some people are offended as unbelievers. Other other people are offended as believers. And here are a few reasons that I've seen. Number one is uh, the novelty just simply wears off. Like they felt so happy when they got saved. And now happiness is the metric for the stability of their faith. I don't feel happy. I quit. You know what that is right there? That's a reed being shaken by the wind. You know what that is right there? That's some soft clothing. I'm not being, you know, I'm not comfortable enough. I'm not happy enough. I'm offended. I quit you, Lord. Right? The novelty wears off. And, um, you know, honestly, guys, like happiness, don't let happiness be your metric for your faith. For the stability of your faith, for the fragility of your faith, don't let happiness be that metric. You know what? I know some. I know some believers that I might not consider to be happy. You know, they're joyful. Yes. But there's a groaning on the inside of them because they want to get closer to God. Yep. There, there's a there's a heart cry. It's like, oh, what? I need God. You wouldn't say that's happy. Yeah. They don't seem very happy. Yeah. They're joyful though. Yes. They have peace. 
They have joy. They have contentment. They have satisfaction. But they're groaning. They're groaning for more. They want more of God. Here's something that I've noticed, and, and, and maybe we don't recognize it, but something that I've noticed is that some people get offended by God because they conquer too much too quickly. All right, let me share with you what I mean by that. Like, they just, they... They conquer so much so fast wow. that when the flesh reappears in their life a few years down the road, they get offended and they ditch their faith. Whoa. Come on. Um, for me, like I got delivered real quick. Like I was a drug addict when I got saved and I was like completely free. Like I didn't even have a craving, right? Like I was doing all kinds of mess, getting wild every week, everything, just right away. I talk different, act different, dress different. I mean, I was different, right? And then I noticed a few years later, there were things that I thought that I had been delivered from yeah. in the moment of my salvation that the Lord was asking me to do some battle with. Yeah. You're like, what? I thought I stepped over this like three years ago. Yeah. And the Lord's like, yeah, but there's some more work I want to do in your heart. Are you prepared for the healing? I'm offended. I thought we were done. I don't want to dive deep. I don't want to do inner healing. I don't like counselors. I'm out. Come on. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's like the Lord's like brings you back. It's like, yeah, but what about that? Right. No, Lord, I am free. Yeah. <laughs> he who the Son is set free. You're still addicted. You know, it's like. Can, can we be real, right? I'm offended. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to church there anymore. Don't. I hate those people. <laughs> right? Some people get opposed by other people, and they get offended as a result of that. They were not prepared. They didn't count the cost. They didn't realize that they would be opposed by their family members. They didn't realize that they would be opposed by their old friends. They didn't realize that when they started posting scripture memes on Facebook that they would be opposed by strangers. Right. I'll block you. Oh, that hurts my feelings. I'm offended at the Lord. Lose their faith. Like that happens. Yes. I didn't know people were going to oppose me. Jesus himself, one of his nicknames, 1 Peter 2 and 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That means that Jesus' ministry itself would cause people to stumble and would offend people's hearts. You think you're going to call yourself a Christian and nobody is ever going to be offended by you whenever God himself consistently offends you for the sake of your holiness? You don't think that you're going to offend other people for the sake of their transformation? Come on, man. How often have you changed your mind about something really big, really important that didn't start with offense? That's right. That's right. Right? You got so offended that you decided to investigate whether your belief system was actually true. Because you were like, I'm about to defend myself. I'm, I'm going to the word. And then the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, you're wrong. Right? And you're like, oh, dang. Man, bro, I got to wash your feet, bro. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like, why would we think that we're not going to offend other people? You know, here's what I've noticed also. And I'm sorry for keeping y'all so late, but this is important. I'm going to get to those four points. They're going to be real short. Real short. It's going to be one slide. One slide, all right? For real. One slide. But here's the thing. I noticed that some people get offended when the church stops pampering them like newborns. I've noticed that. I've just noticed that. I'm just, I'm just submitting it to you, all right? Right, like what happens when a new baby is born into a home? They're the center of attention. That's right. So what happens when you first come into a new church? That's right. 
or you first get saved, everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at you. Come sit with me. You're the best. You're awesome. Look at your earrings. What is that new hair? Whoa. You know, it's like you're really, like you're really trying to like, man, come on. You're welcome into the family. We love you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to tithe. This isn't your home church yet. Just come in and be yourself. Be comfortable. Come here. Come here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to prophesy life over you. Nine months later, they're offended because they ain't getting pampered like they were nine months previous because there's been some more newborns come into the house and now the attention has been diverted in their direction and those who are now a little bit grown up in the place are thinking, man, I am so hurt. The church ain't pampering me like they used to. No, bro, you're eight. You got chores. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, other thing, newborns don't get allowance. Some people show up in a new church, bro, put me in leadership, bro. You don't get allowance. Anyways, all right. See, you know what I'm saying? So, all right, last couple. Deny yourself. For some, this is far too much self-discipline, right? You're like, man, I came here for the freedom. I came here for the, for, for I could do whatever I want. And Jesus is like, no, deny yourself. You're like, Lord, this is not an issue of salvation. And he's like, is, are you living for me so that you can get out of hell? Or are you living for me for the sake of our intimacy and our communion and our friendship and our fellowship? Are you living for me for the beauty and the preciousness of the connection that you and I have and the life that I impart to you and the love that you give back to me in worship? Are you just trying to serve me so that you can get out of hell? Come on, man. The Lord says, deny yourself. Hold on, Lord. I didn't sign up for self-discipline. I expected you to do all the work for me. Some people leave because of sermons. It's true. Hopefully none of you guys leave because of this one. I really appreciate that. Uh, some people leave because of discipleship. Some people are like, hey, I'm about to speak into your life. Ouch. No, I'm out. I'm offended. I don't want to be discipled. Some people leave because of temporary setbacks. They get fired from a position. They have a hard time. You know, okay, I'm offended. Uh, sometimes people, people get offended because uh, Jesus just asked too much of them. And then sometimes, you know, people get offended because God simply does not meet their expectations. So you know how whenever you text a friend and they read it, but they don't respond? Yeah. Doesn't that just burn your biscuits? <laughs> like, it's just, it's not nice, right? Yeah. Like, you see it and you're like, man, I'm offended. Yeah. Yep. Right? So what happens when God leaves you on red? <laughs> Lord, I need this. And it's like you get the little dots, but then nothing comes through, and you're like, what the heck just happened? You know, like you're like, I thought you're about to speak, Lord. I, I thought it was like you're about to come through on my timeline. I, I, I wanted an instant. I live in a culture of instantaneous gratification. Is that not the culture of heaven? He said, no, that's not a fruit of the spirit. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. But, you know, Lord, here's the thing, though. I really need you. 
to be transformed more into my image. Like, isn't that what living for you means, right? Like we recognize that the longer we walk with God, the more we're supposed to look like God. He transforms us into his image, not we transform him into ours. Right, if God hates everybody you hate, he might be being transformed more into your image than you are into his. Because I recognize the more I'm transformed into God's image, the more I end up loving the people that I used to hate and loving the people that I'm supposed to hate and loving the people who oppose me. Right? Okay, here's the four points because I just wanted to give you guys something practical. When God doesn't do what you expect, do these four things. Number one is this. Ask God what's up. John did. God, what's up? Maybe he doesn't answer right away, so I ask again tomorrow. That's right. Maybe he doesn't ask, maybe he doesn't answer tomorrow. I walk that bridge of trust. That's right. I say, man, the mercy's fresh. Come on. God, what's up? I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing. Here's point two. Choose to trust God despite all delays. How many of you guys know that delay does not mean denial? Come on. Amen. Right? Maybe God's not doing it right now because he's working something in you Amen. that's more important than the outcome you desire that's most. Right. Wow, Right? A blessing ain't a blessing if it kills you. That's right. God knows what you're ready and prepared to handle. Number three, stand strong upon the word of God. Focus on what God has said, not on what he hasn't said. Get out the scripture. Get into the word. Remember your prophetic words. Stand on the word and say, you know what? I I may not see this thing coming forth like I felt like he spoke to me about, so I stand on the things that I have heard from him. I stand on the scriptures. I keep standing on them. I keep declaring that even though I'm bound in prison, I'm going to be set free. Even though I'm bound in prison, I'm going to be set free. Even though I'm bound in prison, I'm going to be set free. And the way in which John thought he was going to set free, be set free was probably the jailer coming to the cell with the keys and saying, guess what, buddy? Somebody paid your bond. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach. But that's not what happened. But John still got saved. And John still got set free. Do you think he had a complaint on his lips when he walked through the gates of heaven? Or do you think he was grateful for his salvation and his freedom from that prison? John was set free. John was saved. He was bound up in prison, but he was set free. It just looked different than maybe he expected the first time that he prayed. Maybe the outcome you're praying for looks different than the way that you think it should. That's good. Okay, point four. Finish strong, even unto death. Even if he doesn't show up. Even if he doesn't do what you want. Even if he doesn't do what you expect. Even if he doesn't do what you believed him for, you just you just keep standing. You say, nope, I'm just here. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to die for God. I'm going to do whatever God asked me to do for my whole life. I'll breathe my last, last with the name of the Lord Jesus on my lips. I'm going to go out worshiping. Because <laughs> I have an eternal perspective and my mind is fixed on things above. And I recognize that the things of this world, that's not all there is. So I can worship because my heart is anchored in another realm. So you stand strong even unto death. It's always a good question to ask. Even though things didn't go your way, did they go the way that God wanted them to? Even though they did not go according to your plan, did they go according to God's plan? 
as you look back on 2019, as you look back on your past, as you look back on situations that felt like a prison that you did not get set free on your on your timeline, they might not have gone your way. They maybe they didn't go the way that you planned, but did they go the way God planned? Lazarus died. God said, I'm glad. Man, sometimes death is, is tough. Death to things, death to relationships. And every now and then you just gotta understand that even though there's death in your life, God says, and I'm glad. Let's put the one point back on the screen one more time. When God does not do what you want or expected, choose not to be offended by him. Instead, choose to trust him. Everybody say trust. trust. And if you will, Jesus promises that peace, joy, and contentment will be yours. Last scripture, and then we're praying. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Don't be a reed shaken in the wind. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Don't be preoccupied with what you wear. What you eat, life is more than that. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's right. In Jesus' name, let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together today. We thank you for the love that you've poured out upon each and every one of us. God, we thank you for the transformation in our hearts that you've produced today. God, we declare it's not a work of man. It's not a work of the flesh. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And I declare my 2020 is in your hands firmly. And I am completely given over, surrendered, and yielded to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in my life. We declare that as a church. And we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. I bless everybody in here to ask you when they're confused. I bless everybody in here to stand on your word. I bless everybody in here with perseverance. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. If you would like to support the ministry of Legacy Nashville, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org slash give. And if you're listening by iTunes, please log into the store and give us a good rating and a review. It helps our podcast become available to new listeners. God bless.